I'm Cindy McMillan, and welcome to Exploring the Seasons of Life. You're listening to Episode 74. This podcast is for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. Each week, I interview coaches and spiritual explorers about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. If this is your first time joining me, I'm especially glad you're here. I often say this podcast has followed the breadcrumbs of my own interest in healing journey. Today's interview is part of a self-care series called Life in Full Bloom, Living from the Inside Out. And I'm delighted to introduce my guest today, Laura Warfel. Laura is the founder and chief encouragement officer of More Than a Widow, a ministry to help widows live beyond the label and find their more. At age 45, she became a widow and finally understood the depth of loss in that experience. She is also a writer and public speaker. Laura, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here today. Hi, Cindy. It's great to be here. I always appreciate and enjoy opportunities when I get to talk, not just to widows and about widows, but also to talk with people who know widows. And that that's kind of my goal for today. Well, and I and I I appreciate so much you being here because this is a topic that I know is going to relate to our listeners today. And I do want to start off the podcast with the question, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in the work that you do? Well, for me, each season has something new for us to learn and to do and to experience. We need to look for what that is. We need to embrace it. We need to find our more and live our more. And one thing I've learned in my life is that remaining stuck in the past brings only stagnation and aloneness. We have to keep moving forward and looking forward. Thank you. And for you know people who have listened to the podcast, they know that's my favorite question. And I love, and I say this almost every single time, but it's the truth. I love all the nuances of the answers that I get. I just love it. So I would love to hear your journey in creating More Than a Widow. Can you tell us about that ministry? Well, I spent about 10 years after my husband died. I called myself a wife in waiting. I was just waiting for whoever the next husband was going to be to come along. I had no doubt that I was going to get married again, but that didn't happen. So then I really had to get honest with myself and honest with God and ask, what is it that you want me to do next? And he began to reveal it to me through a speaker who I heard um, named John Acuff. And he is a fantastic, inspirational speaker, motivator, encourager. He was just the person I needed to hear from at that point in my life. He started an experiment called the START Experiment, and he hosted a conference in Nashville. I went to the conference, still going, what am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing, Lord? I I don't know, but I'm just following this lead. So the first day of the conference, I went back to my room by myself and was sitting on the bed, and I said, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And what do you want me to start? 
And he revealed it to me right there. I wrote it all down in my journal, more than a widow. And I still have the journal to just keep inspiring me and encouraging me. So the next day I went right to John and I said, I know what my start is. I know, I know why I'm here. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't nearly as excited as I was, but that was the beginning. Um, so that was actually uh, eight years ago. And then it took me two more years to figure out what this was, to get up the courage, to ask God to give me the courage to actually do it to be able to identify myself as a widow, which I was always very reluctant to do, but now, which I really had to do, I really had to get over any misgivings I had about putting myself out there because this was going to be me pre presenting what it means to be more than a widow. So in 2016, I launched More Than a Widow uh, website, Facebook, Twitter, and a blog. And I just began putting it out there. And it's just amazing to me, the more that you risk putting yourself out there, the more other people will resonate with you and the more they will be willing to share with you. We've gone through a lot of changes and reinventions of more than a widow through the years, but we're, we're still going strong six years later. Laura, is what you do with more than a widow in your ministry, are you coaching widows? Is that what you're doing, or are you just kind of like really getting the message out to widows about living more? When, and when we say live more or find their more, it's about continuing to embrace life. Is, is that how you would say it? Right. I want to be the spark for helping them to think in a different way, to act in a different way, to live their lives in a, in a different way that inspires them and doesn't drag them down and gives them motivation to want to get up every morning. I haven't done a whole lot of coaching one-on-one. -on -one. I have a few people that I've worked with one-on-one, -on -one, but mostly it's, I just think of it as the spark. I want to ignite something in their lives. Oh, I love that. I love that. Just ignite, ignite something in their lives. Well, on your website, you say live beyond the label and be more. Can you just talk about that a little bit more and what that means to you? And you may have just answered my question, but can you just go into that a little bit more? Okay. Uh, when people find out that a woman is a widow, they often act or react differently toward her. And when a widow's filling out an information form about herself, she's often asked to identify herself by her marital status. And there's so much more to a widow and her life than the label that our society places on her. Being a widow in the U.S. is a lot less challenging than being a widow in other countries, especially developing countries. The challenges for widows are different in each country, but that label is, is consistent from country to country. You know, Laura, it's interesting. I went to the dentist earlier this week, and as I was filling out all the forms, they wanted to know my marital status. And I was thinking to myself, okay, do I check the divorced box or do I check the single box? Because my divorce is a long time ago now. So so I understand about that label and and why is that necessarily even needed? Right, right. You know, whether you're 
married, divorced, a widow, single, whatever it may be. Yeah, we're definitely in our in our U.S. culture. We definitely want to categorize things to help understand them, and sometimes that works against us and against forming relationships with people because we label people, and then we want them expect them to behave according to that how we define that label. And I we're seeing that released in a lot of areas in our country. Uh, One of my friends who has a ministry for widows uh, says that the ministry and helping widows is the next frontier for uh, our world awareness, our cultural awareness, for people to be able to understand widows and relate with widows. Do you encounter resistance when you talk to women about living beyond the label? Well, sometimes women want to hide behind that label of being a widow. They want to use it as an excuse for not going on with their lives. And that's that's a very easy thing to do because I found, and I'm sure there would be other widows who would agree with me on this, that isolation and isolating are probably the widow's biggest enemies for um, going on with life, building new relationships, uh, finding new things to do. It, it just gets way too easy to isolate and withdraw. The pandemic worked against us in a lot of ways because of that, because it just made it even easier to, to isolate and withdraw. The other interesting part of the pandemic was I felt like widows were probably the most prepared to deal with it because we were we are used to spending time alone. We're used to uh, making do with what we have a lot of times and we're uh, often don't go out into social situations because it's just tough. It's just hard to do. So that was kind of an interesting little footnote to to the pandemic. That is interesting because what you're saying is absolutely right, that if you have people who are used to already being alone, doing things alone, and then when people, we close down and we're in isolation, because I have, you know, many friends that I've talked to who are not widows, but they talk about how they're just not used to being alone right? and how it's really having a, a, a really affecting their mental health, right? being alone. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, what is grief? But I want to read something that I heard David Kessler say, and I want to see if this is how you would define grief. Each person's grief is as unique as their fingerprint. But what everyone has in common is that no matter how they grieve, they share a need for their grief to be witnessed. That doesn't mean needing someone to try to lessen it or reframe it for them. The need is for someone to be fully present to the magnitude of their loss without trying to point out the silver lining. And when I when I heard that, it just like really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. So is that how you would talk about grief or define grief? I think one problem I would have with that definition is that most people shy away from grief and people who are grieving. So the ideal is people will walk with you and help you and be there for you and stay with you 
but often that really isn't what happens. And that's, that's a difficult blow because a lot of times we think that people, there are people we can count on and people who will always be there. But when a loss happens, that really tests a lot of relationships. And I would say that grief is a reaction and response to any loss that we have in our lives. And grief is an experience that everyone is going to encounter during their time on earth. How we deal with that grief is different for every person. And we can describe grief but we can't really, we don't really understand grief until we've experienced it. My mom was uh, widowed when she was 75 and she lived as a widow for 14 years. I will be the first to admit I was terrible. I kept thinking, oh, mom, just suck it up and get over this and go on with your life and blah, blah, blah. And I did not acknowledge the struggles that she was going through. And I still feel bad about that. But when I became a widow, then I really, really understood what she had gone through. And, and it was just so humbling to see that the depth of understanding I had then of what she had experienced. I started a death cafe and I don't know, are you familiar with death cafes? Uh, similar. I, yes, I, I have heard about that. Yes. So I, I've taken a break during the, the summer and I'll start it back up in the fall. But one of the things that I, that um, I kind of reason I started it was to talk about the elephant in the room, so to speak, mm-hmm, right. death, because you're absolutely right. People just want to push it aside. And I think I think it is so important to talk about our loved ones who have passed away, mm-hmm. talk about how we're feeling about death, you know, what are our fears about death, whatever may come up around death and dying, to just like bring that out into the open. And what is your thought around that, about how important it is to share those memories? I think it's very important because the person, it it might bring some tears or pain. And that's usually what people are afraid of. If I talk about the person who has died, she's going to get upset or cry, or it's going to be terrible for me. So um, people often avoid talking about a person after they have died, but acknowledge that the person existed and acknowledging that the person is no longer with us. There's an empty space where that person used to be. And even though the person's no longer here, the person's influence and contributions and legacy are still with us. So like in my case, after my husband passed away, my three kids are still here. You know, they have parts of him. I see parts of him in my grandchildren. I mean, it's it you just can't can't pretend that that person never existed. I absolutely agree. And if you would like to tell the story, maybe I did hear you on another podcast talk about the story of of you and your husband. Well, we uh, met in high school speech class and I was a freshman and he was a senior. He went on to college, got married, went on with his life. I graduated from high school, went to college, got married, went on with my life. 
And then many, about 25 years later, uh, his wife passed away and I was divorced and we reconnected in a different way. We had always been friends and our, had our hometown connections and our families were friends and that kind of thing. But we began dating and then we were like, where, where is this going? <laughs> what are we going to do here? And then we ended up getting married. So he had three teenagers and so he was a pastor. So I, that was quite a lot of changes for a single career woman, but we, we had, we made it work. We had a, a wonderful seven years together. <laughs> I can't even believe it was that short, but that's, that's what we got. And now um, he's been gone for 18 years and his kids and I are still connected. We still, uh, they, their children call me Grammy. We do our best to stay in touch. They live in Oklahoma and Texas, so we're not geographically close to each other, but uh, we do our best to stay in touch. And they are just such huge blessings in my life. So I think even though I don't have him anymore, having them in my life has made such a difference for me. Oh, I love I love the love story. <laughs> <laughs> what what is three things that you wish you had knew or wish you had known rather when you became a new widow? Well, I I did some thinking about that. And I one thing is uh, stop waiting for a man to rescue me and save me. If God brings a man into my life, welcome him, but don't place my complete future and identity in the hope of having a man. So I, I know in my generation, you're nothing unless you had a boyfriend or a husband. And I, I still struggle with that. Sometimes you go into a place, you're the only single person, everybody else is a couple. It, it's still difficult. And that, that was probably one of the biggest shifts in thinking I had to make was that I can, I'm okay. I will be okay. Even if I don't have a man in my life. Another one was to be for more financially responsible with what I have now the I've never been a very good planner and I sometimes will not be a good manager of what I have it, it available to me. So that has, has been a difficult adjustment for me. And the other thing um, I wish I would have known was that you will lose important people in your life. That's going to happen. Also, you will welcome new people into your life. And both of those things are part of living as a human being on earth. And if we can't release the people who have left our lives, and if we can't welcome new people into our lives, we get stuck. And so that's a really important piece of being a widow, in my opinion. Laura, those those three, I'm not, not even going to necessarily call them tips, for being a widow, but those are tips for living your life. Right. Those are absolutely wonderful. And I I love them all. And especially that last one about knowing when it's time to let people go, but also to welcome those new people into our lives. Right. Why do you think widows beat themselves up? Now, you may phrase that question or that idea differently. But I'm really talking about 
why do they not want to move forward or why do they not necessarily want to stay stuck, but they are in that stagnant place. I, I'm, this will be, will this will be a, a big generalization here because each widow's experience is different. My experience is different from my friend Graziella. I mean, we're, everybody's experience is different. So what I would say in general that I've observed that tends to be very common in widows, that's how I will speak about that. So I would say that um, sometimes when a husband passes away, there's a lot of guilt involved with that. And we always think I could have done something better. I should have done this. Why didn't I do that? How come I didn't make this happen? How come I didn't pay attention to that? And also not all husbands pass away during a healthy or pleasant time in a marriage. A marriage has seasons just like any other relationship. And so there can be a lot of pain associated with that, that all the unresolved issues that you can't resolve now. And that that can be very frustrating and very uh, unsettling and something that you just have to keep taking to the Lord because he's the only one who can bring healing for that. Many widows also lack self-confidence and some of that has to do with what kind of relationship they had when they were married. A lot of widows, their husband took care of everything. They don't even, they didn't even know where the checkbook was or, you know, or how to get onto the computer (laughs) to get the, you know, financial information. So, uh, the lack of confidence can be really, really difficult to overcome. And also the reluctance to ask for help and the fear that I'm going to look weak or I'm going to make myself too vulnerable. And so I'll just suffer here by myself. And those things definitely work against the widow being able to live a healthy life again. You know, Laura, what just came up for me is that would be a great workshop is is talking about you know finding out where the where the financials are because that's really important one of the things in you know that i've talked to people about is you know while we're alive is making sure that all of our paperwork is in order mm-hmm. and i talk about that in terms of of being mindful and caring of our kids as well right Well, and our culture in general doesn't want to talk about death, doesn't want to talk about dying, doesn't want to plan for that because that's not going to happen to me or that's not going to happen to my husband. So the denial also is really powerful in in those situations. Yeah, absolutely. What message do you want our listeners to take away from hearing us talk today? I think one thing I would want people to know is that it's okay to go on with your life after a loss. It won't be the same. It may not be easy, but it's necessary. And the main reason it's necessary is so that you are ready to do what God is giving you to do. You're still here for a reason. God still has work for you to do. Mm, that's beautiful. And then my last question that I I it's my second favorite question is what would you tell your 18 year old self about the season of life you're in right now? 
this is this was tricky because my 18 year old self was pretty naive. So <laughs> this is <a> tricky one. <laughs> well, one would be people you think will be in your life forever won't be. And that that was the biggest shock to me. I was in my 30s when I lost one of my dearest friends. It was the first friend I'd ever had pass away. And I was so devastated. But more than that, I was so shocked. You know, how could this happen? You know, how could this person not be in my life anymore? It was, yeah. So that was that was a huge learning experience for me. Another would be to trust in God more than you trust in yourself, because our culture is always feeding us the line about, you know, having self-confidence, knowing what you're doing, you're, you're in charge, you can do whatever you want to do, all those kinds of messages. But those fall apart when you get into really difficult and stressful situations. And the, what holds you together and what holds you together through those situations is your trust in God and your relationship with God. And the third one would be, remember to keep having fun. Your smile looks so much different when you haven't smiled for a long time. And I, I am a witness of that. So I work part-time at a Christian elementary school and some days I just go sit on the playground and, <laughs> and watch the kids and talk to the kids. And those three-year-olds, oh, my goodness, they, they always, always improve my day. So look for those things that make you smile and keep smiling. That is great advice. Thank you so much. And can you tell the listeners how to follow you on social media, your website, how they could work with you and get in touch with you? All the links to everything that I'm doing are on my website, and it's laurawarfel.com. There are links there for social media, a little explanation about More Than a Widow. My blog is there, so, so that's the best place to go. Laura, thank you so much for being a guest today. I have enjoyed every minute of it, and I can't wait to, to help get your message out. Well, thank you, Cindy. And it, it's people like you who support and believe and encourage I, that keep me going. And so I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Leaving a rating and review helps to improve rankings in iTunes. It shows engagement, which may attract sponsors, and it is essential for the podcast to be discovered by new listeners. Plus, it would mean the world to me. Thanks again. Until next time, live inspired.